You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. This morning, and uh, love that song. Thank you, Miss Stephanie. Luke chapter 13. I don't know if you've needed these these messages already you've received in song form, but God is there for you. Leave it, uh, take it to the Lord. We sang, tell it to Jesus. Talked about the sweet hour of prayer. I hope you've already heard some messages today through the songs and things. But uh, uh, Luke chapter 13, we're continuing our series in the parables of Jesus Christ and uh, looking forward to this one today. I do want to make mention uh, that tonight after church, we will be having a quick, you know, one-minute business meeting. We have a missionary. We'd like to vote. We've, our couple of missionaries have come off the field. We've got uh, uh, plenty of available funds, and there's a specific minis- uh, mi- uh, missionary who's been here that'd like us to vote on tonight. But I am also aware that there may be something else going on this afternoon. Uh, around 3.30, someone said there's some type of ball game going on today. I'm unaware of. What is it? No, I know it's the Super Bowl, I'm, but uh, I know that, uh, I also know that people will be here tonight, and, uh, and uh, because Jesus is more important than football, so uh, we'll be okay. I did not plan this because it was football, su- or football Sunday, because it was Super Bowl Sunday, but I didn't even think of that. It's just, I uh, want to vote on this missionary tonight, and so be here for that. Also, um, very special young man, 21st birthday today, Jordan, right down here. So we're very excited for you, Jordan. Happy birthday, 21 today. Don't do anything stupid now. It's your 21st birthday, all right? So I just want to make, make sure I say that to you, but we love Jordan. And uh, so to, what was I thinking of? Let, let's just find out. How many of you don't even know the teams playing in the Super Bowl today? You don't even know. God bless you, folks. God bless you. As, uh, yeah, it's, it's not my team, so I don't care, right? But I will say this, and, it's, and I do have to make mention of this, okay? Brother Ralph, get out. Somebody escort that man out the back, please. So, No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But uh, I, I will say that uh, uh, for, some of our people will be here you know, tonight, but they do really enjoy the Super Bowl and all of that, and I do too. But uh, So I would just say, just don't spoil it for anybody else, all right? Now, tonight we have Brother and Mrs. Dion are with us, our missionaries to the Philippines, veteran missionaries, and uh, they will be here. Uh, to, that sounds like I'm calling you old, brother. I didn't mean it that way. I just mean that you've been there and serving a long time for faithfully for the Lord, and he'll be speaking tonight, preaching, and I feel kind of bad about that. I'm like, brother, all five of us are going to love your message tonight, but uh, no, I think we're going to have a good crowd and our people will be here, but don't spoil it. Don't text somebody in church, ah, the chiefs, why? Wow. You know, or whatever. You know, don't let the people that came to church go home and enjoy it if they want to, okay? All right, so let's get to something spiritual now. Good night. Luke chapter 13 in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. And I want to preach a message entitled The Fruitless Fig Tree. How many of you like figs? You like figs? How many of you like fig newtons? Oh, really? Wow, there's a lot of people with bad taste in here. Goodness, okay. I just didn't even know. But Luke chapter 13, uh, we're going to look at uh, the fruitless fig tree. Verse 1, there were present at that season some that told 
him or Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And we're going to come back and talk about this and explain it. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, no. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, no. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, dresser being the guy who takes care of vines and cultivates them, prunes them, all that kind of stuff, the vine dresser. Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. Okay, just to help you. If you don't know what that word is, it's manure, okay? You know what the word is. He's going to put the fertilizer there around it. And if it bear fruit, well, great, good. And if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. And then it goes on to say he was teaching in the synagogue. No explanation, just gives the parable. And we know that Jesus, at a certain point in his ministry, began to just speak in parables. So that they who wanted to hear could hear and they who wanted to be blind would remain blind. And so we're going to look at this parable today of the fruitless fig tree and, uh, and talk about what does it mean in the context, but then what does it mean for us? What, what is the application to the church in the 21st century? And so we're going to look at that today. Well, let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to your word today. I pray that we would rightly discern and rightly divide the word of truth today. But Holy Spirit, we pray for you just to work in our midst. We pray that you would, would help us in our hearts to be listening to what you have for us. God, we don't want to come to church and, and walk out the same. We want to be different. So we pray today that you would just do a great work in our midst. Show us and teach us your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing I want you to notice, I want you to notice the illustration. The illustration, that's the first thing we're going to see here. Uh, point one, the illustration. Verses six through nine in this, in this chapter of the parable, it's in direct correlation with verses one through five. So why did Jesus use the illustration of the fig tree? Well, let's just quickly jump back to verses one through five. Verse one, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. What's that talking about? Galileans, people of, the, uh, by, by Galilee, of Galilee. Uh, uh, Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea. You know Pilate. He was the ones that washed his hands of Jesus uh, uh, when he was about to be crucified. He was the Roman governor of Judea. Pilate, for some reason, suddenly attacked some Galileans and killed them. But it says there that he mingled, uh, their, their, whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. What that means is that they were sacrificing, probably at Jerusalem, and, uh, and while they were sacrificing, Pilate had them killed, and their blood was mingled with the blood of the animals they were sacrificing. So well, why did that happen? I don't know. 
there's not much told about it. Josephus talks about a little bit. Josephus was a historian, and Josephus tells us that uh, uh, that the, the Galileans were very wicked at that time, but we don't know why Pilate killed them. But we do know, interestingly enough, what that headline that happened that day, hey, Jesus, did you hear the headline? Pilate killed some Galileans while they were worshiping. But, but Jesus knew what was in their heart. So notice what he says. And Jesus answering said to them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? So, so what's he saying there? He's saying people are assuming that the Galileans were killed because they're just such big sinners. Oh, they're just so much worse than everybody else. But just because someone dies suddenly or just because someone even dies violently... That doesn't mean that God is, you know, that they were sinners and that was just God doing that, right? So that's what he's saying here. And he says in verse 3, I tell you no, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So Jesus took the headline of the day and said, this is a message for you. And I love that. I love Jesus always had the spiritual mindset. You know, it wasn't just the gossip of the day. Oh, yeah, Pilate killed some people in the temple. What? That's crazy. All right, what were we doing? No, he, was, he took everything because it wasn't a shock to him or a surprise to him. And he said, I want to show you the spiritual truth that you need to have. And here's what he's saying at that. He's saying, you're judging these people saying that they're such sinners, but if you don't repent, you'll be cut down too. That's what he's telling them there. He said, you better be careful because, uh, uh, and, and we're so guilty of judging other people. And we say things like, you know, we don't want to, I don't want to judge anybody, but we do judge. And, and by the way, there is a right kind of judgment. Can I just say that? There is a right kind of judgment. You're allowed to look at a situation and judge whether it's good or bad. You're allowed to look at someone's actions and judge whether it's good or bad. But you're not allowed to say, I'm better than you because of your actions. That's the wrong type of judgment. Amen? Do we understand that? Okay, so, so he's saying here that, look, we, we shouldn't judge and say, oh, look what happened to that person. Uh, that happened to them. They must be wicked. They must be evil because God punished them. How sad it is that some people look at tragedy as proof that God is punishing somebody. Well, that, you know, whatever it may be, you lost that job or you did this or, hey, that earthquake hit your home and, it, you know, that fire started in your house and burned it down, so you must be evil. That, that's, that's wrong. That's not ours to judge. Remember when I was in Bible college, I was a dumb sophomore. Like, you're, you're dumb as a freshman. Like, you know, but wait a minute. We got teenagers about to graduate. You guys aren't like me, though. I was the dumb one. But I remember, like, I, you know, get, going to Bible college to train. I'm, I'm 18 years old when I go. I finish my freshman year. I'm just starting my sophomore year. And, man, I tell you, the trials just started up. My, I had a grand, my grandfather got in a car and, and, uh, and was traveling back from Texas to Arkansas, fell asleep at the wheel and died. Then I get a call a month later, my grandmother on the other side has a heart attack suddenly and dies. Then I get a phone call that, that my, my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, his brother committed suicide. And just all of these things are stacking up, and my brain is just, you know, trying to interpret this. And I remember my sister called me. I was, in, I was driving. This was back when you could have a cell phone while you're driving. I was driving my stick shift with a cell phone. <laughs> and again, not saying I was smart, right? And I remember my sister called me, and she was trying to make sense of the whole thing about uh, uh, my, my brother-in-law's brother, and that was her brother-in-law because she, anyway, you get the whole relationship there. 
And I remember as a sophomore, just thinking, you know, I knew so much about everything. And I said something to my sister Beth along the lines of, well, you know, sometimes God uses these things to get people back on track. And, and I was just like trying to say something spiritual to her. You know what I should have said? Nothing. I didn't know. I didn't have an answer. Here I am being Job's friend, saying, you know, and, and, and I, I didn't mean it this way, but certainly you could infer from that, my sister could have, that if, you know, if, if you guys were living right, and if, and if my brother, you know, Travis was his name, committed suicide, you know, he wouldn't have committed suicide if you guys were living right. That was what could have been inferred, and that is so wrong. That, that, to, to think that if I had lived right, this person wouldn't have done that. And, 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 you know, here's someone trying to find meaning and peace, and all I can offer is some random piece of advice that didn't even make sense. And I learned, I felt, I felt bad from that since the day I did it. And thought that was the dumbest thing. And so now, I try to keep my mouth shut, unless I know an answer. Instead of just spouting something out. But sometimes, you know, we say things that may infer that if you weren't doing such and such, if you were living right, then you wouldn't be cursed and punished like you are. And that's wrong. We don't know God's reasonings. We don't know why God put some people through the fire. Now, look, if you see somebody, you know, you know drunk, stumbling down the street, and they walk into the street and get hit by a car, you can see how their sin affected them and others, right? You can see that. But just because some tragedy happens doesn't mean we get to interpret it as whatever we think it is. Oh, that's obvious what that is. God's judging you. You know, someone sideswiped your car when it was on the street. So that's, no. And so Jesus is saying, look, you know, do you think that the guys that died in the temple were greater sinners than the other Galileans because they were killed? He says, nay, and except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then he says, or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell, which again must have been a headline of the day, and slew them, thinking that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I, say, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So he, he's telling them there, Jesus had a focus on repentance. Come back to God. Israel, your God's chosen people, come back to God. That's what he was talking about over and over again. And then, after he tells them that, he gives them the parable. He gives them the parable. So look at verse 6. And also, and spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Now, let's just stop for a second. That's a weird thing to have in your vineyard. How many of you ever been to Napa or Sonoma, up somewhere up north there? Okay, how many of you have ever seen a vineyard? Maybe that would be greater, okay. You ever see a fig tree in the middle of it? No, I don't either. So there's a fig tree in this vineyard. And uh, look at verse number seven there. So uh, he says, the owner says to the dresser, hey, I've been, I've been looking for three years for fruit. I'm seeing no fruit, cut it down. In verse 8, he answered, said to him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. Give it one more year. Give it one more try. And I'm going to dig it and dung it. And he said, what, what, what is he going to do? He's going to try to do everything he can to make it conducive to growth. All the, he, all the situations he can. Now, it's already good soil if it's in a vineyard. But he said, I'm going to do everything I can to get it to grow. But in verse 9, and if it bear fruit, well, if not, then let, thou shalt cut it down. So this is its last chance. So that's the illustration. Secondly, I want you to see the interpretation. The interpretation. What's he saying? The figure here used, the fig tree is the Jewish nation. 
the fig tree would represent the Jewish nation. Now, what is he saying? He's saying the Jewish nation was privileged. The Jewish nation was privileged. They were placed in a vineyard. They were placed in a secluded spot. They were honored by God. They were given the prophets in Israel. They were given the scriptures and the law in Israel. They were given privilege. They were given a privileged spot and an honor by God. Why? Because they were so great? No. Simply God just chose them. That's why. And he has the free will to do that, right? He has the free opportunity to do that. And Jesus, so the whole purpose of Jesus is telling them that the, the special privilege that the Jewish people received because they were God's chosen people. But here's the problem. There wasn't any fruit on the tree. He said, you're, you're the fig tree, the Jewish nation, you're the fig tree, but, but there's no fruit on your tree. There's nothing coming, there's nothing good coming out of you. And so uh, that, that's what he was talking about. But because there was given such a privilege to the, gen, to, the, to the Israelites, to the nation of Israel, but they were not producing fruit, then God is saying there that he's going to remove that privilege from them and give it to another. Now, we know that Jesus Christ came and for three years. Now, I don't know if the three, the, it says here that he looked for fruit for three years. I don't know if that represents the three years of Jesus' earthly ministry. I don't know if that's what he's saying. But I do know that Jesus came and was looking for fruit in the nation of Israel. And I do know that there wasn't any fruit to be found. And I do know that Jesus Christ was, uh, came unto his own, but his own received him not. I do know that Jesus Christ was despised and rejected of men, including his own people. And I do know that Jewish people were the ones crying out the loudest, saying, crucify him, crucify him. And I do know that they sent him to the cross and rejected the Messiah. And even afterwards, when, when Peter is preaching and others, there was still a rejection of the Messiah. So what happened? What do we know scripturally happened? God turns to the Gentiles. And thank God that he did. And there's Paul going to Asia Minor. And there's Paul going to, to Thyatira and to, Sar, uh, to uh, all these places and, and, and Rome. And the gospel is getting out to the Gentiles because the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. And so, because of their rejection, God turns to another. Now, now, by the way, God has the absolute right to expect fruit. And he has the right to chop down the tree. He can do that if he wants to. And we're going to give you instruction just a second here. But verse 8, when he says, dig it and dung it, what's he saying? He's saying, everything is made possible for your growth. You had all the opportunity, Israel, to grow, to produce fruit, to do what you were supposed to do, and help the other nations know God, but you didn't do it. You even rejected the Messiah. So we see here the illustration, the interpretation, but can we talk about the instruction for a few moments? What does this mean for us? What is this talking about for me and you today? All right, so let's look at this just briefly here this morning and to try to give you something uh, of how this can apply in your life and in my life. So the instruction here that Jesus gives, the applications that we can take away are threefold. I want you to just to see briefly here this morning before we close. It could apply, we could apply it. We know what it means, but we could apply it in three ways. We could apply it first of all. The fig tree represent churches. The church that Jesus started. The fig tree of churches. That's how it could apply. As Christians, Get the picture. We're God's chosen people. 
Because when you choose Christ, he chooses you. Isn't that amazing? When you choose Christ, he chooses you. And we are God's chosen people to do what? To spread the word of God to other people. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Because God has chosen us, after we chose and salvation, he, he has planted us in a vineyard. What vineyard? He's planted this church and happens to be in North Long Beach, California. So he's placed us, he's chosen us, he's placed, and by the way, can I say the soil is good here? There are people that want to hear the gospel here. There are people that understand the brokenness of their life here. There are people that understand that without Christ, they're going to be on their way to hell to pay for their sins. They may not have put it all together yet, but there are people in our city and all around us that have seen the, the devastation that sin can bring to their life. And they know it. They've lived here long enough to have seen it and experienced it. The soil is good. The church is here. The chosen of God. But are we producing fruit? Are we producing spiritual fruit? Now I want to just make mention of this before we jump into this here. But we know that, that we don't cause the fruit to grow. That is all Jesus but we do know that we control whether we're sowing the seed. We control whether we're doing the, the, the digging and the dunging. We control whether we're doing our jobs or not. But it is God that gives the increase. We understand that. But we still have a job to do. And if we're not producing any type of fruit, then I wonder what will Christ say to our church. Look what he said to, the, to this in verse 7. He said, these three years I come seeking fruit of this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why are so many churches closing their doors? Is it because maybe God doesn't see fruit? They're no longer producing. No, God, does God want churches to close? No. But perhaps fruit stopped being produced. Are we as a church showing spiritual fruit? Are we seeing people walk down the aisle or getting saved out soul winning? Are we seeing the baptistry stirred because people are following the Lord and believers' baptism? Are we seeing people get discipled and becoming disciples and following Jesus Christ? Are we seeing that? Now, I know we can't make somebody get saved. We, we, we could probably physically force people to get baptized, but it would totally break the symbolism. You know, we could be holding people down, you know, and you're going to get back. But it's, it, that's not going to work. But we do know that if we are faithful to go, and we are faithful to tell, and we are faithful to do our part, then God will give increase. We know that. So are we seeing the fruit in our church? I think it's time that we all take responsibility for Gethsemane Baptist Church. Because why? Because if you're a member here, and you attend here this faithfully, you are the church. We are the church. And the church has got to produce fruit. If the fig tree is not producing fruit, it's not the owner's fault. It's the dresser's fault, I guess. I don't know. But I want to say, if we're not producing fruit in our church, it's not God's fault. Because he wants to bless us. He wants to do something. What good is a fruitless tree? My brother-in-law recently, uh, uh, up in Napa, he wanted a tree in his backyard. And so he thought, I like bananas. I'll plant a banana tree. Now, how many of you do not 
like bananas. Can I see your hand there? God bless you. I'm with you. My wife and I just, I'll eat banana pudding, but I'll kind of take the bananas out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But I am just not a banana fan. I know some of you are staring at me with these eyes like, how could you, Pastor? I just, you know, you ever put a banana in a smoothie? It takes over. All you taste is, all right, never mind. I'm sorry. I don't know how. I get off, I, I, I get off on side tr uh, tracks and talk about food. I don't even remember what I was talking about. No, my brother-in-law had a, uh, decided to put in his backyard, he wanted a tree, and he, and he wanted uh, something that was going to produce fruit that he would like. So he got a banana tree, and it's a thing. P bought it online, because you can get anything from Amazon, ordered it, it gets in, he goes into his backyard, he gets it planted in his backyard, it, it's growing, and it begins to produce, and I mean, like, they, they produce a, a lot of bananas, the bananas start being produced, but they look strange. So he goes and gets the little card, you know, that comes with it or whatever, and starts Googling. This is a banana tree that grows inedible bananas. Did you know there was such a thing? Uh, but this is, this is my apple tree, but don't eat them. You ever seen a Snow White? I mean, if you eat one of these apples, you're dead. Like, can you imagine? You planted this tree, and it's grown, and you're seeing the fruit, and then you're like, but you can't eat any of that. It's an inedible banana tree. Can I tell you what that is? A waste. A waste of the ground, a waste of the soil, a waste of a tree. Who, who created, you know, not who created that one, but who made that one? Like, did someone cross-pollinate the wrong way or something? I got no idea. What good is a fruitless tree if you want the fruit from it? I wonder how many times God looks at churches and says, hey, what good is a church if there's no fruit? Where's the fruit? We can't force the growth, but we can do the digging. We, we, we can make it conducive. We can do all that we can. We can work hard to disciple people. We can work hard to welcome people. We can work hard in our Sunday school classes and uh, getting a bus route started. We, we can work hard to share the gospel, to be as spiritual as we can possibly be and watch as God blesses. That's what we can do. So I see, first of all, the fig tree applies to churches, but the fig, fig tree also applies to Christians. Fig tree also applies to Christians. Here's the thing. God has treated you special. You are special to God. And he treated you special. You got to hear the gospel. It got to get to you somehow. And, and, and if you're here and you've trusted Christ as Savior, then you've accepted the gospel message. And now you are chosen by God as a Christian. God puts you in a special place with good soil, he gave you a good church. I happen to think it's a great church to be involved in where you can hear the word of God being taught. You can have Sunday school classes. You can have teams that care about you in, in, in our church and a church that's trying to still go soul winning and preach the gospel to people. God has blessed you. But you know what? God's also looking for fruit in you. It could be everybody in this room is producing fruit except you. That's a possibility. It could be that half the people are producing fruit. There, there's a lot of trees in this room. And are you producing fruit? Are you growing? Is there a difference in you? Now, God's long-suffering. 
I look here and I think that, that, you know, it says, Lord, let it alone this year also. Give it another year. And I'm glad God gave me several opportunities. I'm glad that even though I had chances to go to church and teen camp and I kept saying no, 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 I'm thankful that God gave me more opportunities. But can I say there comes a point where the opportunities will run out. Verse 9, and if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And here's the thing about fruit as a Christian. If you're not producing fruit, then we have to really ask, are you a, are you a Christian? Because the tree is known by its fruits. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Fruit shows that we have faith. How do we see that? Our works. We don't do good works to get saved, but if you are saved, there should be good works. Christians ought to read their Bibles. And wait till there's an amen on that one, because I feel like Christians should read their Bibles. Christians ought to pray. Christians ought to be sharing the gospel. There should be fruit. There should be growth in our life. And, and, and I, I think it's good for each of us to ask, is there fruit? Am I seeing growth in my life? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus every day? I'm not saying you don't fall. and get, We all fall. We all have to get back up and dust our knees off and say, God, I did it again. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to get back on the road. Here I go. Messed up. We, we all have to get back up, but there should be fakes. Faith should be backed up by our works. There should be growth. There should be evidence. Brother, Brother Cadmiel, where is he? He's over here. He's uh, one of our teenagers. He's the guy that plays the guitar up here. And uh, I remember a couple years ago, is it okay if I tell the story? It's too late. All right, but uh, I remember a couple years ago, I, I was, uh, we, we, were at te- we were at youth conference. And um, we were all, all the guys were in the room and everything. And Cadmiel, you know, his decision was, I want to let, and I, I've shared this before, so I hope it's okay. But uh, he said, I, I have a talent and I want to let, and God spoke to me this week about using my talent for the Lord. All of us guys were in there and we're like, what's your talent? He never told us. And so you know, we're like, what's his, ta- what's his talent? Do you know his talent? I've got no idea what his talent is. What's his ta- you know, what do you think it is? You know, no idea. Comes back comes up to the platform, says, you know, God has, has spoken to my heart about using my talent. And I had a suspicion. I'm a guitar player. And I was like, this kid's playing guitar, I bet. And so, I, and so sure enough, and he's great. And he get, plays offertories. But what does that show? Because he was doing something, it showed that God really did work. His works showed that God did something. Our works should show that God did something. There should be something in us that shows what God has done. Works back up the faith. Faith gets you to heaven. Absolutely, you don't have to do a, a single work to get saved. Not one. But if you are saved, there should be some evidence. It applies to Christians. And by the way, and, and think about it. If there are no works in somebody's life, and it terrifies me to say it, but God may at judgment day say, cut it down, cast it into the fire. Whew, that terrifies me. Jesus is coming back to check on the fruit. As a Christian, we better make sure that, we're, that we are growing, producing fruit. And if not, let's repent. Let's get back to where we're supposed to be like Jesus said, repent. As a church, if we're not producing fruit, let's repent and get back to it. But lastly today, I want you to see this. It, it applies to church, it applies to Christians, it applies to your choices as well. The fig tree of choices. This is my favorite point of the whole message. I just want you to know that. Look at verse 7. It says here, Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. 
why cumbereth it the ground? Cumbereth. What does that mean? Cumbereth it the ground. It means to waste. It means to make useless. So not only is this tree uh, not producing fruit, it's allowing or it's hurting the soil and the plants around it. It's not producing fruit. It really speaks of the idea of missed opportunities. Say, how so? Here's a big tree taking up a lot of space in a very valuable area, a vineyard, but it's producing nothing. And because of that, it's, there's missed opportunities of what could be there if the fig tree wasn't. Because they chose to have the fig tree, nothing else could take up that soil. It's taking up space that could be used for something fruitful. So the question is, is the fig tree producing fruit? Say, how does this work, Pastor? What are you you talking about? I want to ask you this evening, this morning, how many fruitless trees are in your vineyard? How many fruitless decisions and choices are you making in your vineyard that are taking up space? How many things are are taking up valuable space in your life, but they're fruitless? They're not producing anything good in your life, but they're taking up space in your life. They're taking up valuable real estate. They're, They're taking up soil, and perhaps they're even ruining the other things around it. How many things are... Look, you could be doing something else productive, but you still look for fruit on that tree that's not producing fruit. So I wonder how many things that are like that in our life. Most people have fruitless things in their life. It could be a sin that they're committing, a habitual sin, something they keep doing. It's fruitless, it's producing nothing, it's hurting the the other decisions and things around us in our life. But there we go, keep looking for fruit in it. We keep looking for fruit, but it's not there in that sin. It could be some hobby that's just a time waster. It's not doing anything productive for you. It's just wasting time in your life. It's taking up valuable space in your life. Could be a relationship. There's a relationship maybe that you have in your life that there's no fruit from that relationship. It's causing damage in your life and all you're doing is continually looking for fruit in a fruitless tree. How many things in your life are not producing fruit? What's the answer? Cut it down. That's the answer here. You you, you keep working on these things, but there's no fruit. Something useful and fruitful could be occupying that space in your life. But you're too busy with that hobby. But you're too busy with that sin. But you're too busy with that relationship that's producing zero fruit. For teenagers, it could be video games. 12 hours a day on video games. What fruit are you producing? What fruit is coming from that? Well, they're really, they have great dexterity. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What's the fruit that comes from TikTok? Oh, there'll be fruit, all right, but not those stuff you want. Social media, worldly friendships, uh, some sin. And by the way, for adults, it's not much different. They're still struggling, we're still struggling with the same stuff that teenagers are. Remember years ago, I used to be uh, really into sports. Like, I had my, my basketball team, my, my Cubs baseball team, my, my football team, and all this kind of stuff. I, I love sports, and I was on ESPN a lot. Just, you know, checking scores, checking this, checking that. What was that? That was something that was in my life that was producing zero fruit. In fact, sometimes it made me angry to see what the score was or what happened. It was producing nothing in my life. And I remember all of a sudden they started posting a bunch of political stuff, a bunch of stuff I didn't agree with, and I realized this is a fruitless tree. 
This corporation cares nothing about me or my beliefs or right or wrong. They care about their own money. So I said, you know what, I'm done. Deleted the app, stopped going on it for, for a long time. I'll occasionally check it now and again, but it had, a, it had a big spot in my life. And that's one simple thing. But there are many things that are in our lives that maybe are fruitless, and yet they're taking up space. They're taking up valuable room, and we need to get rid of it. Now, I will say these two things, and I'm done. Look at verse 8. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let alone this year, till I, uh, till I shall dig about it and dung it. There are some things that do deserve a second chance. I think people deserve second chances. I'm glad that God didn't give up on me the first time or the second or the third time I denied him. But he kept coming back. I think some things deserve a second chance. You may have to do some dirty work, dig it and dung it, but some things are worth the effort. But I will say this, if there are fruitless things in your life taking up valuable space producing no fruit, the answer in verse 9 is to cut it down. Get it out of your life. What is it in your life today that is taking up valuable time and space and not producing any good fruit in your life? That is the takeaway. We can apply it to churches. Hey, we got to produce fruit as a church. We can apply it to us as Christians in our personal life. we got to produce fruit. We can apply it to our choices. What are we allowing into our life? We only have a certain amount of time every day. What are we allowing in through relationships, hobbies, sins, whatever, that's producing zero fruit for the Lord? Zero fruit of anything good. You know what? Maybe there's some things today we need to chop down. Maybe there's some things today we need to get out of our life. And I think today with this, with this, this parable that Jesus gave, there's some great applications here. And I wonder if God is speaking to you about something Maybe it is a relationship, and there's no fruit, and there's no hope. Maybe it's time we cut it. I wonder today, if you're a Christian, are you producing fruit? Is there growth in your life? Are you becoming more like Christ? Is there spiritual growth? Are there works to back up and show your faith? And as a church, hey, are we doing our part to get the gospel to this vineyard that we're in, to share the gospel with the world? Father, bless us today. Please help us. Help us to be not fruitless but to produce much fruit. We can only do that as we are connected to you, Lord. That's the only way.